Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of NFL Only Better and the Christmas season is rolling on. Thanksgiving has been undusted and it's time to get into the real business end of the season. Guys, there's only two weeks left in most people's fantasy leagues for the playoffs. There's only two or three weeks really before we know <laughs> the, the layout of the playoffs and then the playoffs themselves start in January. So Mike Carson, John Bath, Bo here, Mike, welcome. It's it's uh, it's business time, as Jim it's Ross business. would have said in wrestling. <laughs> time to get time to get down. Um, yeah, this is my last day in the states. It's amazing how much more interesting the the games seem when you're watching them while you're still awake, yeah. <laughs> instead, instead of all instead of all through the night. Um, and you know, it, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day was great. I mean, and uh, although I I dip in and out of the early games in deference to my family and Thanksgiving dinner and all of that, you know, three great three great games really in, on Thanksgiving, and uh, and the rest of the week was no disappointment either. It was it's been good. You know, it's a it's like a football festival for me. And now I go back to watching Red Zone. <laughs> <laughs> what the rest of us mortals yeah. sly red zone uh, a big thing coming out of the weekend I suppose is um, bravery would be like, uh, uh, you know just going for it uh, we saw two teams the Jags and the Chargers <laughs> both I, I thought you meant Tom Bravery uh, <laughs> not so much actually yeah. uh, two teams with you know basically they've scored they kicked the extra point we go to overtime but both of them decided away from home to uh, just end it, like let's just do it. Let's just roll the dice and put on our best play for a two two point conversion and win the game. And both of them clicked. Uh, John, is it, is it the way forward? Well, it's it seems to be happening happening with more regularity these days. Um, and I wonder, does some of that coincide with the um, the PAT success rate? As like it's still it's still like I, I just looked this up before the show. It, it, the PAT success rate as of last season. I haven't got the stats for this entire season yet, obviously. But the last season's PAT stats were ninety two point four percent success rate, which is the lowest since nineteen seventy nine. And obviously, some of that has to do with the fact that they've expanded uh, the distance and things like that over the years. Um, and if you contrast that though to the two point conversions, have somewhere, but it kind of depends what sort of play you run. Obviously, if you run the ball in a two point conversion, if you're looking at about a 60% success rate, and if you pass it, it's looking like around a 45 ish percent success rate. And that one's obviously harder to do, but it's perhaps the one that the defense isn't expecting quite so much. So maybe that's why you're seeing success there. But you know, the, the NFL has become much more of an analytical league in the last few seasons. And I think if you, uh, it basically just comes down to teams understanding that if they don't hit their first two-point conversion, they can probably even it up with another two-point conversion uh, a little bit later in the game. Now, obviously, that doesn't stand the, the situations you cited with the, um, you know, the last play of the game type situation. It is a brave move. And I, I, I liked particularly the Cardinals call of it because it seemed like the game was trending in that direction. They were kind of on the, they, they were the hot hand in that game and, and it came through for them in the end. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, we're seeing more of it. And from a neutral standpoint of which I am in all those games, just watching as, as a fan, so to speak, it's just, it adds that little bit of extra element of excitement towards the end of the game, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. There was, there was a quote from somebody quite early on about going for two um, by early on. I mean, years ago, you know, it, it, it's like, I have the chance to win the game myself where I can take a coin toss at a, with a 50-50 chance of mm-hmm. they, them getting the ball and my defense, you know, not stopping them. So from that point of view, I think it, it's good. They they also had good plays. Um, the Jacksonville play was actually one that Philly ran in the um, 
Super Bowl against New England for Ertz. Um, and uh, their road teams, like you said, Arizona has the momentum um, going in their favor. So it makes sense there to get out of there. But since the rule changed in 94, in the last two minutes of games, when this has been an issue, when, when this has been an issue, we're 14 successes and 29 failures. Um, obviously, because you need your best play because you got your, your goal on defense or whatever. But um, so that's a one in three. But I wouldn't fault a coach for doing that. You know, it's the the problem is that the when the book says to do something and a coach goes against the book, you know, and the book basically for coaches says play for the tie, go to overtime, then you get criticized, you know. Um, and uh, if if you lose in overtime, your team gets criticized unless you do something really stupid, you know. But yeah, but if yeah, so it's it's kind of like coaches. Are, are trained to avoid that kind of that kind of risk sensation. We did one game at Wembley a couple of years ago when Tennessee was there, and Mike Vrabel did that. You know, and I was torn between thinking, well, let's just get out of town, <laughs> or he, you know, he had a young team, new coach, and it's like I have you're telling your team I have trusted you to win the game, and I think that's a positive yeah. as well, even if it doesn't work. That's a good yeah. like. I think you hit the just a. One last thing on that yeah. is that, like, yeah, Mike, I think you, you nailed it there as well. Like, the, the factor that I didn't really consider when I was kind of putting my notes together for this is that it, it does keep the outcome of the game in your hands, in your team's hands. Either either you win or you lose sort of thing. It's kind of, and then, like you say, if you do bring it to overtime, if you, if you do take the, the extra point, you know, there, there is a literal coin toss and then there's the sort of metaphorical coin toss of what will happen after and after that. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think... I like to see situations where decisions like that are, are rewarded as well. So, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and Mike, another fine point actually there is the momentum, as we like to say, momentum that brings you to the next game. Maybe not for the Jags, technically necessarily, probably <laughs> a little bit far away for the playoffs. But for someone like the Chargers who are floating around on a kind of a 500 record that are probably heading to the playoffs, uh, but could do with another couple of wins to maybe push them up and get a little bit handier for them. They've got to be feeling good about themselves coming home now this weekend. And they've got a tough game, actually, this weekend. Yeah, this is another key game. It, it kind of yeah. flies under the radar. But in terms of the division, the, Ra the, the Raiders have won two in a row now. They seem to be mm -hmm. sort of getting into the getting into the rhythms that Josh McDaniels wanted them to do. And if you know a win for them makes them five and seven and drops the Chargers to six and six. Um, mm. And, you know, they're the unbeaten since Derek Carr cried. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> They're unbeaten since the man cried. I, you <laughs> know that. Do. What does Russell Wilson have to do? <laughs> Not Josh McDaniels is some coach, you know. <laughs> Russell, what does Russell Wilson have to do? Russell Wilson, right now, his stock is so low that the NFL announced last night or this morning that they're flexing the the. Uh, Chiefs Broncos game that, yeah. out out of Monday Monday night or Sunday. Really, night. I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. And and that's with Patrick Mahomes. So can you imagine yeah. how bad they think Russell Wilson is <laughs> going to take Patrick Mahomes out of? They're replacing it with a Chargers game. Um, one thing very very quickly before we move on to the games as well. It's just something I noticed while we were I was looking at this, of course, because one of those people who were on the end of those two point conversions was the Baltimore Ravens. Um, about four games right. So Baltimore Ravens. We're 35-14 up against Miami with 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They were 20 points to three up against Buffalo at halftime. They were uh, 20 points to 10 up against the New York Giants with six minutes to go in the fourth. And they were 19 points to 10 up against the Jacksonville Jags with five minutes and 59 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. They lost 
all four of those games. Um, that's a bit of choking from these birds, isn't it? Really? <laughs> Maybe Wink Martindale really wasn't that bad a defensive coordinator yeah. for them. <laughs> they just they just seem to just lose. Like they're taking leads and dropping them like that. It's, it's not a great sign. Yeah. It's not a great and, sign coming into things. And that's you know. It, if they hang on to win two of those games, they're nine and two, you know, three of them, they're 10 and one. They're, they're the best team um, in, in the, in the AFC. Uh, So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what goes wrong because they're also supposed to be a run first team. And those are the kind of teams that can, you know, use up time in the fourth quarter and protect a lead. It's exactly what they're designed to do, you know, and watching that, watching them constantly fail to do that and then fall apart on defense at the same time. I mean, Harbaugh must be incredibly frustrated. And, you know, I'm no ownership's not going to get rid of Harbaugh or anything like that. But this, it's, a, it's a serious question to answer. Mm. Um, here's where we stand right now Super Bowl outright betting Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills are now joint favorites 4-1 to one. the Eagles 6-1 to one. it's 32 but San Francisco everyone's favorite Dallas Cowboys 8-1 to one. the Ravens are out to 14s the Dolphins 14s the Vikings are 16s the Bengals are 16s it's 20s bar a quick note on the AFC Kansas City are 15-8 to eight favorites to win the, the AFC now the Buffalo Bills are 2-1 to one. and it's big prices the rest really 15-2 bar a lot closer down the NFC the Eagles nine to four, San Francisco 49ers five to two, Dallas Cowboys ten to three, and it is sevens bar um, as it takes shape. But uh, certainly there does seem to be some support coming for Kansas as the kind of season rolls on, as opposed to what we saw earlier, gents. It's um, amazing. How, how, not only are they in form, but another thing that you know happened just just yesterday and, mon- um, and Monday, they signed Melvin Gordon to the practice squad. They signed. Um, Brian Edwards, former Raider receiver to the practice squad. And they signed Brandon Williams, who's the old nose tackle for Baltimore, um, to the practice squad. And he's, Brandon Williams was doing one of these wait around. Let's see where there's a good situation where I can pick up a Super Bowl ring for two months of work. Um, but on their practice squad, they've got Danny Shelton, who used to play for the Browns and, mm-hmm. and then the Patriots and, Brian, and Brandon Williams. Yeah, four years ago, that would have been a pro bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Pro Bowl D line. In Shelton, he was with the Patriots too, wasn't yeah, he? he? Yeah, he, he played s- really well with the Patriots for yeah, a couple yeah. of years. Stacked, I believe is the word. However, we have seen them before. I mean, last year they were pretty stacked as well, and they kind of pooped the bed. So let's just see how they get on this. <laughs> well, we year. got the we got the revenge game this week for that poop. We do well. Maybe they should score in the second half. That would be that's key to winning a game, guys. Um, Thursday night football is an intriguing one. The Buffalo Bills take on the New England Patriots. Eight to fifteen, the Bills. Eight to f- uh, eight to fifteen, the Bills. Eight to five, the Patriots. That was hard to say. Uh, four points is the current spread, and forty three point five is the over under. It's a big game, Mike. What's the feeling stateside? You're pretty near Foxborough there. Yeah, um, I think what I picked up the last couple of games basically is that um, the 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 spread's gone down to four points now. Oh, has it? Um, yeah, which means people are people are thinking New England's going to be able to keep it close, which is not an unreasonable thing to think. Although um, Josh Allen has really been tre- you know tremendous against Belichick, apart from the snow game last year, where where nobody oh, could yeah. pass and, and he couldn't he couldn't run. But otherwise, he's thrown 
you know, for 300 yards. He hasn't been sacked. He, he, he's exactly the kind of guy who, who gives their defense fits because their defense isn't quite quick enough to, to keep up with him. So um, I, I don't doubt they can keep it, can keep it close. Uh, my only question is whether the Patriots can score points against Buffalo's defense, which is coming around more, more or less, you know, I think their problems have been more offensive and um, I kind I kind of like, like Buffalo here. I mean, if there were going to be an upset, this, this would be the week to do it and, and send Buffalo into more, more of a tailspin, but having watched the Patriots like play Minnesota close, but lose last week, you know, I, I think we're in a kind of similar situation now. Uh, and four doesn't quite seem enough. Okay, John, uh, anything to add on this one? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Mike there for the most part. Like, what I will say about Buffalo is that it's it's sort of dif- becoming more and more difficult to ignore that they've been looking a little flimsy, perhaps in the last month, four games or so. Like they, you know, they beat the Browns and they beat um, who was it Detroit as well, but they lost two games before that, the Jets and somebody else that escapes me at the moment. So. They're, they've found them. They're kind of acting like their own worst enemy at times. They're they're letting they're they're letting other teams stick around when they shouldn't be there in the fourth quarter. And you know, even regardless of who they're playing, the Patriots at home with a handicap like that is always going to be an interesting an interesting bet for me. You know that it's still Bill Belichick. It's still the Patriots, and it's still at home. So four points. It's a good number. Like I'm kind of I'm going between both but i'd probably lean towards buffalo just to maybe stretch ahead uh, as the game wears on but this is i think the patriots are alive alive underdog in this one yeah and normally you would like the home team a little bit better on thursday night anyway but buffalo played last thanksgiving so they've actually had a full week uh, to practice practice and prepare that's a good point uh, some of the six o'clock games uh, look quite intriguing. Will have huge playoff implications. Uh, implications as well. That's the second thing that I've heard. Um, <laughs> the first one we're going to look at is Cleveland Browns at Houston Texans. Two to seven about the Cleveland Browns. Wow, twenty-seven to ten. The Houston Texans. Well, I suppose it's not why wow, really considering who they're playing. Seven points <laughs> is the spread, and forty-seven point five is the over/under. But I mean, John, this is, you know, this is everyone's going to be talking about this for one reason and one reason alone. Yeah, this doesn't really have, I mean, the Browns have mild playoff implications going into this one, extremely mild. Uh, but yeah, this is more, the the drama surrounding this game is obviously that it's going to be Deshaun Watson's first time, first first start for, for the Cleveland Browns. And it comes, you know, as fate would have it against the Houston Texans, the, where he came from, the team. You know, <laughs> is he definitely to start? You, just so we're clear, you, you'll he, definitely he's definitely starting. They've announced you don't, the you don't think that's a coincidence, do you? You don't think the, the schedule the schedule makers? Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think there are any coincidences when it comes to situations like this. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is that he has now um, served his suspension. He's an active NFL player for the first time since I think January 2021 it was the last time he, he played played a football game. And uh, yeah, it's it is it is really interesting that it comes against Houston. Um, it's sort of you know this should be this is as close of a layup as you can get for for Deshaun Watson comeback game because the Texans are you know you know they they'll probably have the the first pick in the draft. You'd have to imagine if not, it'll be a top three pick or so. Um, so it is a it's a friendly game. Uh, competitively wise but when in terms of the actuality of what's happening there it's anything but friendly because Houston as you as you well know and, and its supporters aren't particularly fans fans of Deshaun Watson and probably for, for good reason too 
And when you're looking at this game, there is several question marks that you have to look into, like talent-wise and the way the teams are playing. And at, at the moment, this should be a Browns win. It should be a pretty, you know, I, I, I fancy them to win by probably more than seven if there wasn't this baggage that comes along with the game. Like how we have to understand, you wonder how Deshaun Watson's actually going to perform after being absent for so long. Because if you just, if you think back to the starts of most NFL seasons, a good few, a handful of offenses, like many quarterbacks, they still look a little bit rusty coming in from the off season and, you know, not really hitting the ground running. And this guy's coming in after two years of, of, of an off season, so to speak. Um, so you really have to wonder how that is going to look. And as well as that, you know, there's going to be, 99% of NFL, NFL fans are going to want the Browns and, and Deshaun Watson to fall flat on his face. There will be that element of pressure going on to this as well. So you'd, you'd wonder how that'll impact the game too. But now if you're just looking at it from a scoring and a betting standpoint, the Browns could win this game if they just if Deshaun Watson hands off to Nick Chubb 25 times in the course of the game, they'll probably win. I, don't, I think Watson will be serviceable. He won't be spectacular, but I don't think he's going to mess up too bad either. Um, so like if Jacoby Brissett was starting this game, which is, a, I, I'd fancy the Browns to win by a lot more, which is kind of a strange thing to talk about with the, the backup quarterback versus the guy who's been brought in to, to lead the franchise for the next five years. Um, so the, the way I'm looking at this game right now, with all the factors, all the extra baggage, all the drama associated with it, I think the Browns will win, but I think the Texans will give it a good go and they'll keep it within, within seven points. So I'd actually take the Texans on the points on this one. It's it's ironic that Brissett's coming off what might have been his best game as a Brown, exactly. yeah. um, and then and, and then gets benched. I wonder if Houston will bring out like the twenty five Deshaun Watson victims and honor them at half. half. The, the attorney's got he's got ten of them showing up to the game. Mostly yeah. he's, got, he's got ten of them. <laughs> it, it's a good gesture. Um, the thing I do think, and I pretty much agree with everything John John said there. Um, I'm not sure Houston can keep it to seven, but I am pretty sure that. The under is a really good bet in this game, 47-5. Um, you know, I, I can I can just I can't see the Browns being turbocharged that much by Watson's re- return. And I don't see the Texans being able to put up more than well, maybe 17 against mm-hmm. against them. You know, it's kind of like last week's game was 30-15 with with um Houston and Miami, and Miami got a defensive touchdown. So it was really 23. 15 in Miami's, I, in my mind, is more high-powered offense than Cleveland's. So I, I love okay. the under. I love the under in, the, in this one. Just the, the one thing I will also say as well is that even just the presence of Deshaun Watson on the field in, in, in place of um, in place of Jacoby Brissett will change how defenses have to have to look at this offense. You can't be like <laughs> when Brissett was there. You just roll out number 20. You roll out Nick Chubb and you put him behind. Yeah, you know behind the, the offensive line there, you're, the, the, the opposition will know that, you know, this is probably, there's a high probability this will be a running play. So let's stack the box and let's not worry too much about the throw or about the passing game here. With just just Sean Watson, even the aura of how good he used to be will mean that at least, at least in the first couple of games, they will have to respect the Browns passing game a little bit more. And that might open up Chubb or Chubb might open up the passing game. So it'll be a bit more of a, dy- a dynamic offense in theory, but we'll see how it looks in, in actuality. Okay, got a big chub there, John. <laughs> uh, very quickly, Mike. Um, just before we move on to some of the games, I, I did notice Packers Bears is one of the six o'clock games, and of course, traditionally this would be Aaron Rodgers' feast. You know, his. Yes. his uh, do we still think it will be? Well, Chicago's only getting three. I'm assuming Justin Fields is going to play. They're getting four now. 
they're getting four now. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the more people think about it, the more they think it will be another Roger Rogers feast. But, um, and again, we're assuming Rogers is going to play and, and not um, Jordan Love. He seems to, he implied himself yesterday on Pat McAfee's show. He will. Yeah. And whatever, you know, Pat McAfee says is good as gold. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but assuming it, even if it's Rogers and, and fields, um, I thought I thought Green Bay giving three was a good bet, um, and I'm probably willing to take them um, giving four as well. Excellent. Um, okay, let's move on to one of the nine o'clock games, which is the Miami Dolphins taking on the San Francisco 49ers. 13 to eight about the Miami Dolphins. The 49ers are one to two. 3.5 is the uh, spread, as 46.5 is the current over under. Who who was shouting for this once again? John Bowles. That was me. I think this he is shouts for, He shouts for all of them. <laughs> he loves to talk about <laughs> I stole this game from Mike, I think, in our WhatsApp group. So I'm, I'm happy with that. This game, I, I love this game on paper. I think this this is going to be, this should be a, a really exciting game to watch. And just a little side note, I think that there is a decent chance that this could be a preview of the Super Bowl. This is a, this is, these are two teams that could end up there. And if you wanted to put a bet on that, by the way, it's 25 to one that this is, this is, this is your Super Bowl coming up next, next or next February, uh, which I think is, you know, that might be worth a fiver here or there. Um, but yeah, outside of the, the Bills and the Chiefs, I think these are probably the two best teams that are uh, in, playing in the NFL right now, at least over the last couple of weeks. And with the greatest respect to your Dallas Cowboys, Kieran, <laughs> Ireland's team exactly yeah. uh, this is I think this is a game that will answer questions about both teams really and we'll know like when we're chatting um, this time next week I think we'll have the answers to some of the questions that we're going to pose here today and primarily that's with Can Miami with with uh, Tua playing out of his skin and with Tyreek Hill you know probably having the, the best career or the best uh, season of his career I should say can they hang with this 49ers defense or is the 49ers defense good enough to kind of shut down even the best offenses in the NFL? So we'll find that out this weekend. And the one thing to look, which could affect the betting is that um, the, the Dolphins tackle Teron Armstead went off injured last week, which prompted uh, the Dolphins to kind of withdraw Tua as well, even though they were winning by like 30 odd points at the time, but they took Tua away just you know, you don't want to you don't want to risk your your starting quarterback playing without a starting tackle. And though if they go into this game without Armstead, I I would uh, I'd be probably lean a little bit more towards the 49ers in this one. But if Tua starts, I'm uh, I'm I'm fully on the Miami Dolphins train. So I'm looking at them uh, with the points thus far. But again, check the injury reports as the week goes on before you throw your money down on this one. Yeah, it's interesting because basically it's the San Francisco offense against itself. Um, not only is the coach, you know, from San Francisco, yeah. but both both the running backs are from San Francisco. And um I I still am not giving Miami's offense as much credit as people do. But having said that, part of the reason is that they're scoring. They've had a, two or three games where defensive scores have pushed them over, you know, like 21 points or or in that vicinity. Um and I think the offense would need to generate more points. Um than that to beat to beat San Francisco. Um, if the defense can contribute, then that that's a great thing. But it's to me, it's fascinating to see how San Francisco is going to stop their own offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's, there's two schools of thought. You know, one is that you don't prepare for that, and the other one is that you know it intimately, so your players ought to be able to know it. I'm, I kind of lean towards San Francisco um, 
even giving three, three and a half on, on this one. Um, if it were under three, I'd, you'd jump at it, but I suspect um, it won't go under three till maybe Sunday. Okay, uh, we we briefly mentioned our opener there. The Chargers take on the Raiders. It's it's quite a, a pick'em game, uh, Mike. Three to four about the Chargers. Raiders are eleven to ten. One point five spread. Fifty points is expected. Well, that's what the 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 over under is. It's not the biggest of the weekend either. With fifty two point five in this in the Chiefs Bengals game. Um, Raider, Raiders, as you said, getting their act together. Don't think it's any surprise that you know the, the main guys that they've brought in. I've started to play well for the Raiders, and hence the Raiders are doing well. Yeah, and the big thing uh, last against Seattle actually was, you know, that they they want to be oddly enough a run first kind of team and, and play from that. And, and Josh Jacobs had a monster game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if you take the eighty six yard touchdown mm, before that, st- statistically, yeah. it's still a really huge. He's game. Had an insane season. They really rely on him. Yeah. And that, and that's gonna that's going to be to me the, the the biggest question in this game is can the Chargers stop that run game and and that to me also is the weak point of the char the, the Chargers weaknesses kind of fall into um, the the Raiders strengths. Um, yeah, I think Raiders that's why the points thing is so high. I think the, I think the Chargers might be second last in defending the run. Yeah, I've got, I've got them last here. To last, least. possibly yeah, last at this yeah. stage. Yeah, and now you've got a very hot running back coming in. And the, well, the only other thing I can I agree with everything as Mike has said, so I'll just I'll leave him to it. But the only thing I'll, I'll say to accentuate those points is that the Raiders all of a sudden are now fifth in the league in yards per play, so they've really come on leaps and bounds. Yeah, and if they can, you know, if they can get to Herbert, that's their that's the one weak point. Um, if they can get to Herbert, um, then I, I would jump on the Ra- on the Raiders. But Max Crosby plays really well, but they're not a dynamic pass rushing team. Uh, in the way Sam, uh, in the way that uh, the Chargers can be, um, and so to me, that's the other fulcrum of this game. I I think at home, I I I like the Raiders here. Um, I'd like the more with <laughs> a, a little more, a little points, more but, than the point. But now. yeah, and and the fifth, the fifty five, I think the fifty point five, I think is is probably a it's a well balanced um, over under. You know, I think going over this is is highly highly possible in this game. I have uh, both Austin Eckler and Josh Jacobs in my fantasy team, so I will be. <laughs> I would just be like, just keep running, guys. Let's just have a run fest. Um, well, Eckler, Eckler gets touchdowns receiving as well. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the one, the winning one uh, went to him. Actually, the, the the Chargers didn't use him a lot last week. They they passed a phenomenal. Like they, they are the most pass heavy team in the league. The Chargers are they? Uh, yes, they passed the most. Um, they they barely used Eckler last weekend, but then. It, it kind of sets them up for four quarter to suddenly get loads of runs and loads of catches and stuff like that. Right. It's like they're, 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 it was a clever game set up. Yeah, their O line's not a very good run blocking line, and and it's not a great pass blocking line. Although it was it was doing okay. They don't have a right tackle. That's 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 the worry um, for me. So yeah, fifty five Raiders eleven to ten. If you like the Raiders, I would go. I would take it on the money line rather than a point yeah, and a half. I would yeah. take it too. Yeah, that's what I. Um, Chiefs at Bengals. Just touch on it really quickly. Three to four about the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bengals are eleven to ten. Two point five is the spread. Fifty two point five is the over under. It was the Bengals that came out on top in that battle against the Titans. The revenge game. Yeah, and we kind of thought whoever came out of that might have a bit of that word that we're using. Momentum, Momentum. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Momentum. I, I, 
I like the Chiefs in this. Um, then they don't I, have that momentum. Screech and, to a halt. Yeah, and I also <laughs> I also like the under in this. So do I. Yeah, I like the under too. Because uh, because Cincinnati people don't really notice, but they actually play really good defense. Anna Rumo adjusts really well. Um, their second half this this past week was really fine. I mean, uh, you know how they took that game over defensively. And if, if Jamar Chase were playing, I might think more points. Um, I think he is playing. Is he going to play? Well, that's what I read today. He's in contention. He's in contention to play for the first time. They sort of said that last week during the week, and then by Friday it was like, there's no way in the world he's (laughs) He's not (laughs) even in the country. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, but I think Kansas City, they are are, um, not only playing well offensively now, Mm -hmm. but their defense is really – I mean, Chris Jones is playing out of his – out of his skull. And I think he could be a huge factor in this game against Cincinnati's offensive line. And to me – that's the key. That's the matchup that tilts me to to Kansas City is their defensive line against the Bengals' offensive line. The one thing I'll add on top of that, though, I agree. I you know I've got it written down here as well. I'm I'm leaning towards the under just because 52 and a half. I think it might approach like it might get up there, but I just think 52 and a half might be a bridge too far for for that particular thing. But uh, yeah, the Kansas defense is good, you know, but it, it, it is effective. But they have they've been conceding points in seventy one percent of uh, times they've allowed their opponents into the red zone. So that's you know if you, basically if you get up there, you've got essentially a three or you've got a, you know seventy five percent percent chance of scoring points. So that that is something that actually could lean towards the over in this one, particularly with you know Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey firing back in the opposite direction. But again, I, I, this is one just sticks out to me for some reason. I just think that over under is a little bit too too high. So I'm, I'm going under on it. I'm a giant. I don't expect you to have the stat in front of you, but mm-hmm. 75% of well, 71% I 71% of yeah. times that the opposition gets into the red zone, they score either three or seven. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that that was pretty good. Uh, in that three out of every ten plays in the red zone, or times someone gets the red zone, they shut them out. Well, just um, yeah, perhaps. I mean, I'd, I'd have to see it lines up with the, with the rest of the teams in the, in the well, league. What do you think it is, Mike? Well, the problem with with Kansas City is that if you trade, if, if you score in the red zone, but it's a field goal, you're inevitably wind up trading touchdown field goals for touchdowns. Yeah, that's a great and, point, and, actually. And, and yeah. it puts you it puts you in into a hole. You know, as long as the Kansas City offense is clicking, you you really need to to score at at home. You're a little better. I mean, especially in Kansas City. You know, if I were coaching in Kansas City, I would hesitate to take field goals inside the red zone at all you know even if you were in like a fourth and six or something like that and i know that's stupid because you want to take the the sure points when you can get them but but even so the chiefs march back down and get a touchdown you do the same thing and the next time they march down and all of a sudden you're you're down you're down by eight um you know this happens a lot in chiefs games yeah. Um, okay. Two for the big finish. Uh, Sunday night football. The Indianapolis Colts take on the Dallas Cowboys. Four to one about the Colts. Uh, two to eleven. The Dallas Cowboys. Ten and a half points is the spread. Forty three point five is the current over under. Have as as the world soured suddenly on poor old Mister Saturday Night because ten and a half. <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, Dallas have been good, but are they ten and are they eleven points better at home than the Colts right now? My answer to that is is probably, but I don't think they they'll do that. Indianapolis is very good at at, at keeping games tight. They're a good defensive team. They're they're very fast, which will 
will work well against Dallas and, and, you know, watching them against Pittsburgh, which I admittedly is not a offensive team to uh, compete, compete with the Cowboys, but, but Indy kept, kept that one close for a long time. And it actually looked like they were going to come in and, and win it in the fourth quarter. Um, you got to like Dallas to win the game, but, but 10 and a half is very, very tempting for Indianapolis. John. Yeah, I, I agree. I've got I've got Cowboys all day, but you know, like I said, will they win by uh, by the by eleven points or so? The thing you know, the thing to look into this game is uh, it's hard to escape the fact that it looks like Matt Ryan is going to be heading straight to Sacktown <laughs> in this particular game. <laughs> he uh, again, I'm, I I kind of like to look up stats for for these games beforehand, and what I saw in this one is that uh, it's not necessarily whoever's playing quarterback for the Colts this season has been sacked in basically ten percent of the times that they drop back to pass. Meanwhile, the Cowboys are getting a sack in 11.5% of passing plays, just flat out. So all those two stats combined means that it doesn't look like that the Colts' offense will really get going unless they can really establish the running game and get the points on the board that way. So Cowboys to win. Will they win by 10 or what is it, 11? Um, I'll go yes. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll stay optimistic in this one. I think they might put up a, put up a score at home. Uh, against the Indianapolis Colts as they look to sort of cement their status as a as a renewed playoff contender team. Matt Ryan was scrambling like Kyler Murray against the <laughs> <laughs> Dak Prescott has oh. a picture of himself as his phone lock. Does he? What do you have as a picture of your phone how lock? Do you here, know that, how do you know that? <laughs> it was on it was on Twitter. It was like one of oh. the pictures of him talking to someone pre-game and his phone lit up and it's a picture of him with his like his back, you know, that says Prescott as right. his on his he, phone. He needs to remind himself. Well, that's a yeah. level of areas. My lock screen is not a picture of me, John. I dare Jerry you. Jones. Sorry, of course it's Jerry Jones. My, it's all the is, Cowboys. My, yeah, mine is a picture of you, Kieran. So. I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, uh, I, I, just a shout out to Tyler Smith, who hasn't been getting much love, um, you know, but they took him and everyone criticized they're taking him in the first round. And, you know, he would, he would need lot time to learn how to play in the NFL and stuff like that. And then Tyson Smith got hurt and they moved him in at left tackle. He's actually played pretty, pretty well at left tackle for a rookie left tackle who nobody thought could play. He's done a really good job for them. Um, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers is the last game. We're going to look at six to four about the Saints. The Bucks are eight to 15, 3.5 is the spread and uh, 40.5 is the over under. Anyone got like what is just going on at Tampa? It seems like it's you know, step for two steps forward, one step back. You just do not know. Like, they looked not in control, but they looked okay against the Browns uh, for, for long periods a couple of weeks ago. They weren't good over the weekend, they weren't that great in Germany either, mm. if truth be told. Coaching, play calling, these things, uh, all combined with you know. Tom Brady's diminishing skills by how much are his skills diminishing remains to be seen. I suppose we, again, we've been saying this for several years now that his, his skills are going down and he kind of still wins games. But I did think, you know, watching that Browns Buccaneers game last weekend when it went, you know, when it was in the fourth quarter or when it went into overtime, I was like, there's no chance in hell that the Browns are beating Tom Brady in overtime and they go and do it. So it, it you know, it, it seems to be, it's trending downwards. I always liked the Saints Buccaneers games over the years, particularly when for that spell when it was um, when Drew Brees was there as well. But you know, I think this one 
is leaning a bit more towards the Saints. They seem to be, they're one of those teams that I think are better than the record suggests. It's just they kind of shoot themselves in the foot quite frequently. They give the ball away. They turn the ball over way too much. That's that's the Saints' biggest problem. Um, and, you know, if you do that in the game, you're almost certainly going to lose if you lose the turn, turnover battle. Um, so if they can keep that under wraps, if they can, you know, if Andy Dalton can keep the ball, he can keep the ball in the hands of his own teammates, I think they can they can win this one. Um, I'd take the Saints with plus three and a half and run yeah, Den- this Dennis one. Al- Dennis Allen has been a really good defensive coordinator against Tampa, um, and, and they've been a, a thorn. I mean, the Bucks were coming off a bye week against Cleveland, so everybody thought they, they'll sort out these, these stutters offensively. They were getting people back healthy. Uh, Brady was getting more receivers to throw to. And as John said, it looked that way for three quarters. The fourth quarter, they were terrible. Brady was terrible. Yeah. Um, bad decisions, bad throws. Uh, they, went, they went three and out three times out of four drives, I think, in the, in the fourth quarter, if I remember, if I remember yeah. right. You know, and, and the last one, like with two minutes, two minutes and a half to go and and they they went three and out you know again it was it was the first time in 74 games that the brands won when they were losing by seven points at any point in the fourth quarter of a game yeah and that's and to me that just that just shows you know brady is brady is not on the same page i don't think with with byron leftwich or and he's just not executing what is there you know to go and I don't know. Maybe it's Giselle leaving. It's taken the the juju out of him. But I, I agree with John. I think I think the Saints and the points is probably the way to go here. Okay, and that is it for us. I'll let the lads think about their uh, best bets while I remind you, of course, that you may be aware that the World Cup is currently on. Mike's beloved USA and John's beloved. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, are uh, well, the, the USA are true anyway. Uh, but if you want to hear all the latest about the World Cup, football only better is doing its uh, semi daily pods. I think they're coming off the daily now as we move into the last 16, giving the guys a bit more uh, time to think about things. Um, so do subscribe to the channel for all of that, gents. You know what time it is. It is best bets. John, you are chomping at the bit. <laughs> chomping, chomping at the bet. Basically. Yeah, well, there you go. That's, well, that's, 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 that's a good line. That's a good line. I, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm looking at the Seahawks Rams game um, this particular weekend. Uh, this is interesting to me because, well, number one, the Rams are. They almost look like they're tanking, but they don't have any draft picks. So I don't know exactly what's kind of going on there. Um, but uh, I think the line on this, well, like I've got the seven and a half is the handicap in favor of Seattle in this particular one, or at least it was when I looked it up. Um, but that, I think, might change as the week goes on because Cup, obviously, as we know, is not playing. Stafford almost certainly isn't playing, but it also looks like Aaron Donald isn't playing. And there's also, I'm seeing sort of renewed speculation that McVeigh might just, you know, say goodbye to Donald for the year and, and keep him healthy for next season uh, so that the, you know, the Rams season is over bar the shouting. So I think the, the point in this one is looking good at the moment because I think that is going to change by the time Sunday hits around. So I'd take that right now and see what you can get. Yeah, it's interesting. This time of year, you should start looking when you're on, when you're on the website um, at the other, the other bets besides the usual um, win and, and over-unders. So in Buffalo, for uh, in New England, for example, um, Josh Allen's two to one to score a touchdown. Dawson Knox is ten to three. Gabe Davis is twenty one to ten. You know, a small flutter on all three of them. You know, might Absolutely. might well 
might well pay off in, in that game. But but sticking to the the key bets, I'm I'm going to go with Kansas City, um, giving two and a half to Cincinnati. Uh, I've been okay. getting I've been getting killed on the unders <laughs> the last couple of weeks. So <laughs> it's, it's time to change my game here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go to a game we haven't talked about: uh, Steelers at Falcons. Uh, Falcons are getting a point and a half at home against Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's quite generous. Now it's ten to eleven. Uh, pick them on the money line. So I'll actually take the Falcons on the money line. I'm going to leave the 1.5 and I'm just going to take the Falcons. It says, you know, you're basically getting a point. I mean, if they lose by a point, I will have egg on my face, but sure, look. Um, the Falcons are kind of the Titans of the a- of the NFC, uh, but not as good. <laughs> yeah, definitely not as good. Um, but they are okay at home, and obviously they, they've been winning match and, and covering spreads as well, kind of thing. So I'm, I'm just going to go with the hot hand for the Falcons. And that is it, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me, Mike. You get home safe. We'll speak to you Thank when you do. Thank you very much. Uh, yep. Talk to you next John, week. John, you stay I home usual, safe. I I usual, stay. Gosh, yeah. My studio is going to be looking very good after not being in it for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Look, please do gamble responsibly this weekend and every single weekend. I will be back with the lads next week as we head on towards Christmas and the real, real, real turning point of the season. Thank you so much for joining us, whether it was on YouTube or as a podcast. Talk to you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>